I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hope everybody's doing well today. Today we have a very special guest on the Unimpressed podcast today. He had a show in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina and came down to spend some time with me. And here we are. I want to welcome comedian Andrew Kahn. To the Unimpressed Podcast. What's up, man? What's, What's up, buddy? On? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like we haven't been together all day. <laughs> but yeah, dude, I'm impressed with the uh, the studio, man. Very, very impressed with it. Very impressed with it. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy about it. I mean, we, you know, I got a long commute to work every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just walk right down the steps. You home here? I'm here. Yeah. You know, we've been talking about this. You coming down and yeah, had a good show and. Charlotte will always probably be one of my my favorite cities to to do shows in. I mean, not just because of the people, but I love that venue. But but the people are awesome in Charlotte, man. I mean, they always come out. They show out in big numbers. Well, the first time I saw Andrew, I saw some of his stuff on his personal page. Yeah. And a couple people, I think you reached out to me one time. A couple people said, you see this guy, Andrew Kahn? Yeah. And one thing led to another. Um, you knew Catfish Cooley. I came yeah. to a show in Nashville, yeah. Tennessee, and saw you at Zany's, and then we hooked up yeah. in five years. Yeah, it's been about five years we've been together. That's crazy. I know. It's flew by. Like, I still remember after the show or whatever, I still remember that dinner with me, you, and Catfish. We've been We've been on the road ever since. And now you have an opportunity to headline your own comedy tour. And yeah. How do you feel about that? It's very exciting. Um, you know, it's been a long time coming. You know, me and Catfish, uh, we toured together for a few years. We had a good run. And, you know, he wanted to try a different route in the entertainment industry. And I think it was like a perfect timing type of deal, you know. And I realized, you know, this is, this is what I want to do with my life. Comedy is what I want to do. You know, yeah. I think him splitting off and doing his own thing, I think it pushed me to want to be a better comedian, uh, especially stage-wise. You know, so when fans and, and all the followers come out, they're more impressed with the stand-up than they are the videos. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's always been my premise. I, I want my videos to be good, but I want my stand-up to be 20 times better you know i just want to keep stepping up on my on my stand-up game well i think i think the timing is right i mean i think you've you know i think since we hooked up you've built huge following one close to 1.4 million and uh i mean they're very active fan base very whenever i first started comedy doing stand-up and stuff you know if say if you got a hundred thousand followers or whatever you know, you want a certain percentage of those followers to be at every show. So, you you know, you want your followers scattered out, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you do a show, say, in Charlotte, you get this many people. Or you do a show in Tennessee, you do this, you know, get this many people. Mm-hmm. And that was always my premise. Like, I want to grow my following to a size that it doesn't matter where I go, I can 
pack the place out. That's one thing I, I, I think I will always do, no matter how big I get, I will always do meet and greets after shows. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know a lot of comedians nowadays, you know, they don't want to do um I like meeting people. I yeah. like, you know, the people that's put you on that stage. Yeah. You know, that's what I like meeting. That's my, that's probably one of my favorite parts about doing stand up is you get to actually meet these people. Now you're from what town are you originally from? I'm from Prestonsburg. It's, uh, Preston, it's Prestonsburg, Kentucky. Prestonsburg, Kentucky. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, I tell people Prestonsburg, but I grew up in a little, little, little tiny town called Knock County. Knock County. Yeah. I lived on Beaver Creek. Okay. I lived up in a holler, uh, Arnold's Fork. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You know, we lived in a trailer... And probably five or six miles down the road, it was one of the biggest coal mines in the county. Yeah. You know, so I grew up in a blue collar, like, we had one red light and it didn't work half the time type of town. Yeah. You know. Now, is that a like the Patsy Cline type of song? Yeah. That's, coal miner's daughter? Yeah. Well, that's, she's from, uh, she's from literally where I was born. Really? Patsy Cline is from your area? Yeah. Yeah, coal miner's daughter. Like they give tours of that that house. Now your mama yeah. and your father yeah. passed away. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, what was that like? What was that like growing up in a town like that? Well, it's different, man. It's it's very different. Uh, like you know, you, there's a lot of close knit families that that kind of you know, like you got one family that takes up a whole holler, mm-hmm. and then you got another family that takes up another holler. You know, it's just like their families stick together. And uh, like my father, he got, he actually got murdered whenever he was uh, 24. I was three years old. Wow. He was, uh, he got murdered. I didn't realize he was so young. Oh, 24 yeah. is really, really young. Yeah. Yeah. He was 24. I was three. Uh, happened at a grocery store, like one of the only grocery stores in town. Mm hmm. Uh, but yeah, he got, uh, he got murdered there in town. And then uh, it was uh, it was me and my mom. Now, how old were you when this happened? I was three. I was three. And then uh, shortly after that, around third grade, that's whenever uh, me and my mom and her husband at the time we moved to Lexington. Okay. You know, we had to get away from those hills. You know, there's just there's nothing there. Like, and it, and it, and now that the coal industry is getting shut down, there's yeah. it's getting more scarce. Yeah. Down there. I mean, when they hit the the coal industry, it 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 affected that whole eastern Kentucky. 
So if you live in a holler, what do you do in a holler? Nothing. I mean, literally, <laughs> like my childhood, literally, you know, me and my older brother, we would, uh, we'd hit, it's called hit the hills. Yeah. Like we'd spend all of our time in the hills, like from, from time we woke up to the time that we went to bed, we was either in the creek or we was in the hills. Mm-hmm. You know, like we learned how to make our own bow and arrows. You know, we'd go hunting. Yeah. You know, like we didn't have no air conditioning. We, uh, I grew up, uh, we didn't have a TV, you know, so when you're, when you're in these hollers, no cell phones, like, yeah. obviously, you know, yeah. when you're in these hollers, man, if you don't figure out how to entertain yourself, yeah, you, you won't make it in a holler, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's scarce out there, you know, but. How many people would you have in a holler? Um, well, it just depends. Like in my holler, I think, I think there was probably about 80 of us, 60 of us. You know, and yeah. then when the coal mines started shutting down, whenever that coal mines got shut down, it started getting scarce and more scarce and more scarce. Like people just started moving out constantly. Soon enough, if I, I think if the coal industry don't pop back up or some type of economy pops up in eastern Kentucky, I think more people are going to start moving to like Lexington where they got where there's more opportunities to. Mm-hmm. To provide for their families, because now there there's nothing down there. Is there is a is the area pretty? Could it turn into oh, a resort yes. or what? Well, there, I don't think you could turn it into the resort because there's really nothing to resort to. Resort to, you <laughs> yeah. know. <what> I mean? yeah. <laughs> All it is is like hills. I mean, it's don't get me wrong, it's beautiful down there. Yeah, you know, but there's just nothing there besides hills. Their means of transportation is four wheelers. Gotcha. You know, you'll see more four-wheelers on the road than you will cars. At what age did you move to Lexington? I think I was about 10. I was, I was, uh, I was in second grade, I think, so I don't know what that age is, around 8, 9, something like that. And then I moved from Lexington, and then third grade I moved to Nicholasville, Kentucky. And that's where I spent 8 years, 9 years, until I was up to 16. Oh, okay. Yeah. So now you started playing sports oh, yeah. in Lexington? Yeah. That's that's when I started getting really sports heavy. I played basketball, baseball, and football. And um, turned out like I was I was crazy athletic. Mm-hmm. You know, from like a young, young age, I started concentrating on sports. Basketball, man, it saved me. Basketball, it was like, you know, I love football and I love baseball, but I think basketball, dude, that it, it saved my, it, it saved me whenever I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know, cause I was, I was going off the rails fast. How'd you manage being a good athlete and having, you know, kind of a upside down type of lifestyle? Oh, it was tough, man. Growing up, like me and my mom, um, we stayed on the road cause I played basketball 365. Okay. Like, I, like, there'd be times like during the summer I'd have to change out of my my football gear just so I could make it to the game in time for basketball. Okay. And uh, whenever I was like 14 or 15, um, I was one out of the two players in the state of Kentucky that got offered to go to this uh, five-star Michael Jordan basketball camp. Okay. Didn't end up going. I wanted to stay and play AAU AAU basketball, which is more travel, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of going down there. Looking back at it now, I, I wish I would have went. Your yeah, mom yeah. wanted you to be a comedian, right? Yes. With me and my mom, you know, we was always close. And then, um, you know, me and her went through a real, like, whenever I was 16, till she passed. Like, we had uh, we had this tough, tough type of love. 
mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. of all the all the stuff that we went through from the time that I was seventeen till till she passed. Yeah, like we went through some stuff that like a lot of people would never believe. Like it's like a story that you hear. Yeah, and then you're like. It's something like you'd see in a movie or something. Now, how old were you when she passed away? That was just six years ago. She was six years ago. It was two. It was literally two weeks before my son was born. Mm-hmm. Um, she was planning on coming up um, because it was mine and my wife's first. You know, it was her first child. Yeah. And so my mom was planning on coming up and staying with us for a couple months, and then I get a call from my brother that uh, she took a turn for the worst. And uh, she ended up passing two weeks before my son was born. Mm-hmm. So she never got to meet him, which sucks. That's life. And what was what was some of the issues y'all had together from 17 on? But outside of, like, my closest friends, I don't think I've ever told anyone uh, or opened up about it. But uh, whenever I was 16, um, I came home from school and... Uh, I remember the my girlfriend at the time her her mom was dropping me off. Whenever I, we pulled up in the driveway, there was a strange man sitting on my front porch. Mm-hmm. And I get out, and for some reason, I knew who he was instantly. Mm-hmm. And my heart dropped, my stomach sank. It was the man who killed my dad. Wow, like, murdered my dad. Wow. And. Uh, at first, I was like, "What?" The? You know, like it it, it it catches you off guard. So I ran in the house. I called my mom. I was like, "You know, what the? You know, what the heck is he doing here?" My mom and uh, that guy were seeing each other because my dad and my mom split, and that's when everything happened. Like my dad and that guy got into a fight. Gotcha. And he he's the one that murdered dad, but he got off with self defense. So he like fast forward to whenever I saw him on the front porch. Yeah. Um, you know, she kinda told me everything, you know, about how she was seeing him before and but to me, I was you know, I was a kid, you know, I, I was I was happy as I could be and then I meet you know, this guy comes into her life and it changed me as a human being. Yeah. I stopped playing sports. Really? Yeah, I would go months without talking. I would, you know, I wouldn't eat. And then um, where he was having trouble finding a job up there, he luckily got hired on at a coal mine back home in Eastern Kentucky. So we moved back. I had to move up from all my friends and everything that I knew Mm -hmm. to move back to Eastern Kentucky in a holler in Prestonsburg. And that's when stuff started getting worse and worse and worse. He ended up going to prison, and when he went to prison, yeah, it left me and my mom high and dry. And I had a little brother and little sister. They went and lived with their uh, dad, yeah. And I stayed with mom, and uh, we were we were homeless from the time I was seventeen up to the time I was like nineteen. Wow. Yeah, like we we'd stay in our car and. We'd stay at, like, people's houses sometimes, you know, but I would never leave my mom. You know, I could have went and stayed with one of my friends or my grandpa, you know, my grandparents, but I didn't. You know, yeah. I stayed with my mom through thick and thin. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I, I couldn't, it was crazy, like, the rage that you get, mm-hmm. you know, like, how how could she do that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, how could you, like, living, living with that man, 
It like he's the only yeah, like he's the only man left on the planet. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it just it's like it made me it made me question everything in my life. Like, does my mom really care? You know, I stuck by her, man. You know, we were homeless, you know, for a while. For a while. And uh I dropped out of school and uh, I started trying to help her financially. Yeah. And um she got a pretty decent job and you know, we moved to Prestonsburg and uh we got us a little house, you know, and everything started falling back into place. And um whenever I was twenty one, that's whenever I met my wife now, twenty two, something like that. Yeah. Like my wife, Brittany, you know, my mom moved back to eastern Kentucky and I stayed me and Brittany got a uh, got a home together. Now you have a daughter as well, right? Yes, I I have uh, I have a daughter. She still lives back in uh, Eastern Kentucky. Oh, okay. Yeah, how she old is, is she? A baller, dude. I think if she sticks with it, she's gonna be nasty. And what's her name? Madeline. Madeline. Yeah, Madeline. Well, everybody calls her Maddie. So Madeline Con. Yeah. Madeline Con. Yeah. She's gonna be nasty. That name. It's like both of my kids. It literally looks like me with a wig on. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like both of my kids are identical to me. Yeah. You know? Even if we're like, they're from two different women. Like, they both are identical to me. And I think that Madeline, she got a lot of my athleticism. It just passed on down to her. And then the son you have with your current wife is Jax. Yes. Yes. Jax, he's six. He's a stage three autistic. Yes. You know, he's nonverbal. That little dude, man, he's a lot. He's a, he's a, he's a lot of my eye, dude. For yeah. real. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, because kids like, uh, you know, kids that can't verbalize and are autistic, man, they're so, they're so special. They're so special. They they give you that, that special type of love. Yeah. You know, and uh, when, when me and Brittany separated, um, I got him... You know, most of the time because it made sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm home creating videos all day, and she worked. Now, when did you y'all had Jax? When did you start realizing he had he was autistic? How old was he? Well, I have a you know, it's a conspiracy theory, of course, but like um like when he started turning around one, mm-hmm. um you know, he could look at me and he could say dad dad. He could look at Brittany and say mom. Yeah, you know, and then he got the one year old shot. Like the shots. Yes. And then that's when I it started going downhill. Okay. Like he stopped saying dad, stopped saying mom. Interesting. And then that's when the autism behavior started happening. Gotcha. You know, like at first you think as a parent, you know, this is just normal kid stuff. Mm-hmm. But then it was like the older he got, because you can't test them until they get to a certain age. Once he got to that age, we tested him and they were like, yeah, he's stage three. Um, and the test, which I don't see how they, like a, a woman spends two hours with your kid and yeah. can, like say what his future is going to be because they were like, you know, he probably won't get past a third grade education. It's like, how do you know that after spending two hours with my son? He taught me so much about being a parent. Yeah. So much. So it's just you and him. Yep. All the time, pretty yeah, much. All right. the time. Like literally, like we wake up together, and then he's with me all day, and then he goes and sees his mom when she gets off work. Like mm-hmm. I like when me and her separated, I wanted to make sure that 
I was the best co-parent that I could be. So I would, uh, I drive literally 30, like 35 minutes a day to drop mm-hmm. him off. I will, I'll go and, uh, you know, spend a couple hours in town and then go back, pick him up and then drive 35 minutes back home. Okay. So I do that every single day just so I know, you know, his mom gets that time too. And really? then his mom gets him on the weekends too. And what do you, I mean, what's it like raising a kid with autism? It's tough, but it's tough, daddy. <laughs> it's <laughs> tough. It yeah. is very tough. It's so hard, but it's so rewarding at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's it's one of those type of deals because, you know, being, you know, having a kid that can't tell you, like, dad, I don't feel good. Or dad, I'm hungry. Or dad, do this. Yeah. I want that. Now, how he communicates, you know, when, you know, I'd say every parent that has a kid that's nonverbal, they find a way to communicate. Yeah. And he, me and him have a way. Like, now he can just walk up to me and look at look at me, and I'll know what he wants. Yeah. And most of the time, what he'll do, like, say if he wants something to drink, he will grab me by the hand, walk me to the fridge, pull out what he wants, stick it in my hand, grabs his cup puts it in my other hand Mm -hmm. and then he'll wait for you to pour it. If he wants to watch cartoons, he'll bring you the remote. He'll go up to the TV and he'll like slide like on, cause he likes to watch YouTube. He'll want you to like, he'll do this, like slide it. And then when he finds the one that he wants, he'll touch it. Gotcha. And then you press enter. And then three minutes later, he comes back with a remote, do it all over again. One is, is there a study out there where it's, um, it's unbalanced, right? It's unbalanced. If you're, you know, life is about balance. Mm-hmm. Everything is about balance, right? Mm-hmm. So there's some type of unbalance. Is there a study out there where they know where that starts? That unbalance know. starts. The the, the the autism starts, or what is the the trigger of that? You know, I think that like I don't, with, you know, when my dad passed away so early, um, mm-hmm. I really don't know a lot about him personally but i know as far as me i have like extreme adhd and add like Mm -hmm. very extreme i think if i got tested i think that i'd be on the spectrum for autism myself okay 100 percent. so i think that it was me um that that he kind of got that from yeah and the thing is is every like it's like three two out of three kids that are autistic are Mm -hmm. boys Mm-hmm. You know, so it's 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 real high in boys mm-hmm. than it is in girls. So I think it was you know kind of my genes. I mean, I don't know. You know, yeah. I don't know how it works. Well, you're highly you're a highly sensitive guy. Most comedians are highly yeah. sensitive. Yeah, like it's it's a it's a is he is Jack's highly sensitive as well. Yeah, very yeah. highly. Yeah, yeah. Like, but the good thing about him, you know, he knows how to like let it out. Mm-hmm deal with it as it comes and goes yeah you know and then people like me that that you know that are you know kind of sensitive like if something bothers me i'm the type of person i'll suppress it and suppress it and suppress it until my cat pops you know which is very bad to hold in that kind of feelings yeah now your mom was the one that kind of said you should be a comedian when did you when did you start having this urge to try this out, like to be a comedian? Right. Like, uh, like what she told me my whole life, she's like, Andrew, you need to be up on stage making people laugh. Like, yeah. that's who you are. Yeah. And I was so worried about sports at the time. I was like, no, I ain't doing that. After she passed, 
for some reason, I don't know why. I, I still to this day can't explain it. Uh, I don't. I'll never know why. Mm-hmm. But after she passed, I put out my first video, probably mm-hmm. a month later. Mm-hmm. And then I it went viral, and I haven't stopped since. Yeah. Now I don't know if I put out that video to kind of as a coping mechanism because mm-hmm. after she passed. Mm-hmm. You know, because what what messed me up, I think a lot, um, like emotionally, um, is when my mom died and my son was born so quick after that. It's like one of the worst things that could ever happen in your life is your parent dying. Your kid being brought in the world should be one of your happiest days in your life. I think those two were so close together that I didn't really get to mourn the death of my mom. Mm-hmm. Still to this day, and it's been six years, and I don't think that you know I didn't I didn't get that that joyness of having your kid brought into the world, mm-hmm. you know. So I think those two kind of overlapped each other. What is your style now? Yeah, yeah, my uh, comedian, my comedic style. Yes, um, dude. Honestly, like that's that's one thing. Like whenever people ask me, they're like, you know, if you could give me any bit of, any bit of advice, what would it be? You know, because I want to be a comedian. Mm-hmm. I always tell them, I tell them all the same thing. Be yourself. Only one person can be you. Yeah. You know, like that's the, like my type of, my style of uh, comedy, you know, it is, you know, with nowadays everybody being so sensitive, yeah, it's getting more limited and limited what you can say. Now my stage present, I can say what I want when I want, you know, that's yeah. more of, you know, you're going to get the full Andrew up on stage. Yeah. But <clears throat> on social media, you know, I kind of watch what I say, you know, watch how I move because, like, you know, people are so sensitive now. Like, it is so hard to be a comedian in 2022. Yeah. So hard. Well, I mean, it, 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 like, you know. Yeah. It, it's getting so, like, you can't talk about that. You can't talk about this because you're scared that someone, you know, this person's going to get offended about this and this. You know, these big companies like Facebook and YouTube and, you know, if you talk about a certain topic, they can shadow ban you. Yeah. So no one's... Well, you know why that that is, right? I mean, the PC culture, they're PC because of who's paying the bills at the end of the day. Yeah. And when these sponsors are, you know, these brands or sponsors who are selling a product, they're trying to be PC to everybody. Right. So they, they can't... Put them, the you know, these brands can't put themselves bes- beside someone or something yeah. that goes against that grain. Yeah. And yeah. because they're, these, you know, corporations are funding Hollywood. Right. Right. That's a trickle down effect. Yeah. A lot of people don't look at it that way. Yeah. I don't know what you do to get, get away from it. You right. know, you it's know, like, what, what do you do? do? You do? Yeah, know? exactly. What do you do? And I think another thing, you know, creators that have big followings. Yeah. You know. When it comes around election time, watch how much that their reach and their, you know, their videos, like watch how their views drop, their reach drops. Yeah. And it be, and it's because that they're so scared that these big influencers like me and, and say Catfish or whoever, just say anybody, they're yeah. not anybody. Yeah. Our reach and our views will go down because they don't want us to be able to influence other people's minds and yeah. have them think the way we think, especially if you're a country boy like me. Yeah. You know, 
I think that's that is really big. And but then again, on the like the business side of it, I, I agree. Like if it, it, you don't want you know someone to be offended because if if say if you're offended, but then you're sponsored by Coca Cola, mm-hmm. and you offend somebody, they're gonna look at that brand bad because they sponsored yeah. you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, and, you, which is crazy. Well, look at these big stars. You look at like The Rock. Someone like that put themselves in a position, right? It's good and bad. It's almost had they've kind of had to limit their voice a little bit, yeah. right, to yeah. get to the top. Yeah. And yeah. then if they start get to the top, and start running their mouth, they'll knock them down a couple notches. Yeah. I seen like a week ago, uh, Logan Paul. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the biggest influencers on social media ever. Yeah. You know, one of the, he, he's huge. He was on a podcast. And he was talking about how, like, one of the most devastating things that has ever happened to him is, like, he he looked at The Rock yeah. like it was his idol, yeah. you know? Because Logan loved wrestling. He loved WWE, you know, whatever, F-E, whatever. Yeah. But he, he looked at The Rock like, that's my idol. And, yeah. And Logan even had videos with The Rock, like, on his YouTube channel. Yeah. Well, when Logan got in trouble for all that Japan forest stuff the rocks management company or publicists reached out to logan paul and was like can you please take down everything that you have ever done with the rock really and he said that devastated me probably more than anything that's ever happened to me in my entire career really yeah he's like somebody that you look up to so much it's like you didn't even know him those videos don't exist anymore so it just goes to show like so many things like anything yeah i mean i think that's an interesting Situation, yeah. right? I mean, I think people need to. People need to. I think people need to understand what entertainment is. It's entertainment. Yes. You know, look up the definition yes. of entertainment. Yes. It's to entertain someone to make them forget about their real life. Right. But it's almost like because things have become so PC, you know, people have made th- want to make things linear. Yeah. Why do you know if you want to be entertained and forget about you know if you want to laugh and forget about your issues or your problems, be entertained. Yeah, people should understand that. Yeah, and I don't think like and this is like I've always thought that this is one of the biggest problems I think that is now, you know, for comedians is <clears throat> Kevin Hart said something that a fan didn't like. You know, instead of just disagreeing with that one joke. Mm-hmm. They will look at Kevin Hart like he's Mr. Evil. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'm never going to listen to him again because he said this about me. Yes. He said this about them. You yes. know, instead of just disagreeing with what what he said and move on and still enjoy his comedy, you hurt my feelings, I'm going to take my ball and go home. I, I think that's what this world has come to. Well, I think I'll say this. I mean, I think, I don't know, this is what I just thought of. I, yeah. I think if people realize that when pe- when comedians or actors or whoever it is are trying to entertain someone, first of all, realize, and realize that it's entertainment. Yeah. And whatever jokes or lines someone does to entertain people doesn't define them as who they are as a person. When Shane Gillis got kicked off of Saturday Night Live because he said a joke. Like, that's... It's it's a joke. Like... Yes. You know, I just... That is one thing that I think America is getting too sensitive. Yeah. We are getting too sensitive as a culture, and I think the reason that we are getting too sensitive is because... We allow people to be sensitive now. 
There's too many of, choices. Instead of the person beside you being like, dude, get over it. Yeah. You know, they're like, well, I'll just join, jump on this bandwagon with you. Yeah. We'll hate this person together. You know? Yeah. So I think I think that's that's making comedy. You know, even Dave Chappelle said, you know, it's it's tough time to be a comedian in, you know, 2022. Yeah. Because there's only so many things that you can talk about without hurting people's feelings. And talking about comedy and talking about entertainment, I know you tried one movie. Yes. Right? And you did yes. a great job as an yes. actor, and I know you want to do some more acting. Yes. Um, just the people who were producing the movie, the one investor was kind of a little weird. I pull up, he's driving a Tesla, and he hops out, and he has a pink slither up in his hair and he jumps out and I'm like this dude this dude is producing this <laughs> we should go home <laughs> wrap it up and then the guy that was actually shooting the movie you know he, he was a good guy yeah but even like I had no movie experience like I would shoot a scene and I'd be like I think we should probably shoot that one a couple more times so we can get no we're good we got that one yeah and I think it shows in the movie. Yeah. You know? And he's asked me to do more movies. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. You know? But, like, like, yeah, I do. I want to I wanna do a lot of acting. You know? Like, I want to do movies. But, I honestly, I want to create my own, like, Key and Peele slash Dave Chappelle show. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's my end game goal. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I know a lot of people want to be in movies. Like, I want to be in movies, but I want to be able to shoot my own show and have have my ideas, like the way I see, a, like, a skit going. Yeah. That's the way I want it to be. You know, me and you, we I've talked to you about it. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that, you know, that's something that could be in my near, near future. Um but that's my goal that I'm starting to work. Like my five-year goal is I want to see more of my fans, so I want to grow my following on yep. social media. So I want to grow my shows, just so I I want to meet my my you know my new followers or my old followers. I, I want to pack places out. I want to yeah. do arenas, and even if I did arena, yeah. I don't care if there was fifty thousand people there. I will stand there and talk to every person yeah. before I leave. My my five-year goal is more followers to have bigger shows media side of it i want to get my show going i mean i don't know what I, what it's called what's going to be yeah. called but i want that that dave Chappelle type of comedy gotcha you know i loved it i think you know i think those shows really set the tone of doing skits now fast forward to 2022 some of the skits that dave Chappelle did yeah. We couldn't do that. Yeah. Like whenever he was like uh the white guy. Yeah. He was the blind uh racist guy. Yeah. But he thought he was white, but he was really black. Yeah. Like we couldn't do that now in two thousand twenty two. They'd be they would burn burn our house down. Like <laughs> you know, there'd be a million man march if we did that. Yeah. I wanna bring comedy back. Uh that's my goal. I wanna bring comedy back and I wanna bring Comedians can say and do what we want because at the end of the day, they're just jokes. Yeah. You know, like most of my videos, they're making fun of myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's that's what I want, man. I want to bring comedy back to where we can say and do what we want and do it out of love, out of our heart and hope to get a laugh out of it. Yeah. You know, I'm excited. I mean, I think you're about to launch um, 
launch a new tour, new cities. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exciting. And I think yeah. uh, that we did some great content while you're here. And I think yeah. if we can continue to do more content, what we're trying to do, we're trying to produce more content because right. content is king. And I think right. we, uh, I don't know, I think you got a good opportunity ahead of you. I mean. Yeah, because I, I don't care. I don't care if I even get to Kevin Hart's status. Like, I don't care if I, how big I get. I think I will always do videos because I genuinely like doing videos. Yeah. I love doing comedy skits. Yeah. So I don't care how big I get. You will always see me posting videos on Facebook and on YouTube and on Instagram and on TikTok. I mean, you kind of known for that roasting guy, Oh, too. yeah, dude. I am very good at that. Yeah. That's very done very good for But you. what's so weird is the people that I roast, yeah. they want me to roast. Like, they ask me to roast them. Yeah. Like, the little food stamp and the benefits. Yeah. When I roast them, they want me to do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They ask me to do that. Like, I got another guy. He's from New York. Um, I don't know his name. Um, he sent me a video, and he's been wanting me to roast him. He's got, like, a little EBT medallion. Yeah. And he's from uh, the Bronx in New York. And he's yeah. wanting me to roast him, but I can't roast everybody that sends me a request saying, hey, will you roast me? Will yeah. you roast him? I can't, you know. But yeah. I just stumbled across, you know, a little food stamp. And, <laughs> I, dude, I made them damn, dang near a household name. Yeah, they had a tour. Yeah. They got a tour off of me roasting them. That's funny. And then, you know, I roast Woe Vicky. And at the end of the day, you know, I hope nothing best, you know, for for the little food stamp and the benefits. I hope that they sell a million records. I hope <laughs> I hope Woe Vicky sells all the acne cream in the world she wants to sell. <laughs> Whatever she's doing, you yeah. know. I, I love everybody, man. You know, I just want everybody, you know, I, I want I want the best for everybody. Andrew Kahn's growing. He's growing. Got new content coming out very soon. Got a new tour coming out very soon, so be on the lookout for that. I appreciate you coming down. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love it here, dude. You got me wanting to move to Charleston. Yeah. Yeah. Come on down. Yeah, I'm I'm about I'm about to pack up. About to pack up and come back to South Carolina. (laughs) This comedian Andrew Kahn, and I'm John Edmonds Cosma, the CEO of Bank Productions. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.